Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? You're fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, and I'm brought hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo ambition. Welcome on into the Hooper's Log. It is episode 154 here on CLNS Radio. My name is Simo Buckets. Yes, 154 episodes, and we have gone strong all the way from October. I'd say October 12th, 11th, 10th, I don't remember, of 2015. And we've gone all the way to today, June 28th, 2016. we got one more show after this, people, on CLNS Radio, and then we jump on over to NBA Lead. We'll get you more information on that on Thursday on the final show on episode 155. But for now, we're here on CLNS Radio. The phone line is 323-642-1558 is the number. And all we're going to do in this show is recap what happened during the year. Over this entire fiscal year of the NBA since July 1st of 2015 all the way until today. Because as we know, the only thing left to talk about is rumors. And for those of you that don't know, I'm going to pull a get-off-my-lawn type show. I'm not one of those to sit here and, and, and gossip about rumors and talk about all these, you know, where could these guys go? Where could Kevin Durant go? Where could Pau Gasol go? Where could do 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 I don't do that. You know, like, here's the thing. This is all kind of like uh, other sports like the NFL when they get all hyped up for the free agency season. And they start trying to think of all these things and places and, and scenarios and get themselves hyped and get excited. And that's great and all. And that's outstanding. I think that's fantastic. But it gets to a point where you, you kind of have to just have common sense and know these things. Like, a lot of this is just pre-hype to a lot of this stuff. A lot of the rumors you hear are smoke screens. About 95% of them are smoke screens. Some of them might be legit, and some of them might be realistic uh, outcomes. But at the same time, they're all just smoke screens. None of it's real. Don't waste your time reading into the articles about where guys could go because we won't know until July 1st when these guys start actually going to places and taking routes and going where they're going. That's when the real journalism takes place. Since the draft last week, about five days ago, up until now, a lot of the the speculation of free agency has all just been rumors. And to be honest, this is one of those years where there could be – this is an oddity year, and next year will too, 
these next two summers. In fact, last summer was the same exact way. You had you had uh, you had a guy in DeAndre Jordan who did what he did, saying he was on the Mavs. We all thought it was he was on the Mavs for about a day and a half. Then all of a sudden, he changed his mind. All these speculations, all these circumstances and idealistic, you know, things that we're thinking about and that are happening, it all doesn't mean anything right now. Talk to me three days from now, or four days from now, excuse me, on the, uh, or yeah, three days from now, on the 1st of July. That's when I'll start listening to the rumors. As of right now, I, I look at them. Don't sit here and think I'm naive enough to not look at them. I do. I, I sit here and I see what happens on my phone as it blows up every 10 minutes on what potential rumors of where guys could go and obviously guys opting out of their contracts and talking about the drama, you know, Kevin Durant saying, oh, you know, I like Victor Oladipo, all that crap. You know, that's great and all, and that's fun to listen to, but I'm not going to do that because guess what? It, it won't mean anything until July, and for, and for my sake, and for everyone else's sake, all this show is going to be is recapping what happened since July 1st of last year up until now. You talk about a year. And, and first of all, let's get Kevin Hart in the building. Kevin Hart, we're on CLNS Radio, episode 154. The entire season is over. We're all just waiting for July 1st at this point. July 4th weekend is next weekend. It's hot. It's summertime. Kevin Hart, get it going. All right, all right, all right. You're going to learn today. This is what all I got to say. This year, since July 1st of 2015 up until now, I have been blessed to be on the radio with CLNS Radio. And I'll get into more of that stuff on Thursday when I give my tribute show to them. It's going to be heartfelt. Uh, They've really helped me grow a platform here as a radio analyst. And uh, I'll give them more love on that on Thursday. But for now, what's gone on since July 1st of 2015 up until now? Well, The Golden State Warriors came off a championship in 2014-2015. They went into the summer as champions, deservedly so. I mean, in my opinion, it was one of those things where it was like, hey, they ran into a lot of injured, banged-up teams, a lot of them. Teams that weren't 100%, and then when they got to the finals, a team that was clearly decimated by injuries. They still struggled, but they won the championship, and going into the summer, there was a ton of free agency movement. We saw guys like LaMarcus Aldridge go from Portland. We saw Portland lose four of their five starters. We saw the Golden State Warriors not really do much. They added a guy in Anderson Varejao over the trade deadline. We saw the Spurs get way better, win 67 games. You saw the improvement of a guy in Kawhi Leonard. The Atlanta Hawks went back to the postseason again. The Nets were a joke. It didn't help that Jarrett Jack got hurt. Isaiah Thomas and the Boston Celtics look like they are one superstar away from being a legitimate contender as of right now, especially after this year. In fact, all teams in the Eastern Conference outside of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Boston Celtics look like a team that had the most chemistry all season long. It was unbelievable. I mean, really, this team put it all together this year and maxed out all they could with the, with the talent they got. Kudos to them. Unbelievable season. The Charlotte Hornets made the postseason on a very hunky-dory type way of really just kind of slithering through the Eastern Conference and finding a way to get to the postseason and pushing themselves to a deep series in the first round. They almost got to the second round. Unfortunately, they lost to the Miami Heat. It was one of the better series we saw during the postseason. But I think Charlotte's got something growing. And going into this summer, 
they make a couple of moves, re-sign a couple of guys, do a couple of things here and there, they may be a legitimate outside contender in the Eastern Conference, and they proved it this season. Boy, the Chicago Bulls, going into this year, they looked like a team that was a potential, a potential playoff Eastern Conference final contender, maybe even potentially at best if everyone did well, getting to the NBA Finals as the Eastern Conference uh, team. Not so fast. They only won 40 games, 41 games, and they looked like pure garbage. I mean, they had a stretch where they were one of the worst teams in basketball, and you can't feel bad for anyone but Jimmy Butler. I mean, you talk about a guy who's getting absolutely railroaded by this organization. I got a feeling he's on his way to move. I, I, got, a, I got a weird feeling that he's, he's on his way. And this whole Bulls organization is about to re, rebuild and regroup because it looks like a complete mess. Obviously, the conversation of Derrick Rose being traded, uh, you know, in June, right before the draft. Yeah, the, the Chicago Bulls team has is, is got a lot of work to do. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Who would have thought that, look, I think we all thought coming into the NBA season this year, this past year in 2015, 2016, that they had a legit shot at winning the NBA championship. I don't think anyone debated that. I don't think anyone denied that that was a realistic opportunity for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But they found a way to come back and create possibly the greatest story in NBA history. Whereas a team like Golden State, which we'll talk about them in a moment, I mean, they they came back against the greatest regular season team of all time and it was, it was just pure storybook. LeBron James getting his third ring, doing it all for this team. Richard Jefferson playing clutch minutes in the NBA Finals. Kevin Love and Channing Frye in the playoffs really stepping. I mean, Kevin Love not so much, but Channing Frye definitely. Tristan Thompson was big, earning every cent he deserved in the offseason coming into the year, which he held out for a while. Amon Shumpert, J.R. Smith stepping into their roles as key factors into this championship run for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and Kyrie Irving coming up absolutely clutch in the NBA Finals. And Matthew Dellavedova, a guy who was a big factor in the Finals last year, came into this season and, and found a way to fit his role on this team, which was just a gritty, gutty guy, which he already was, but he only improved on doing that this season. The Cavs won the NBA championship, and you can't be more proud of them as an organization getting their first championship as a city in 52 years and their first basketball championship ever in Cavalier history and Cleveland history, for that matter. The Detroit Pistons, you talk about a team that is on the rise and it proved worthy this year. Yes, they got swept in the first round of the playoffs, but they found a way to get into the postseason with the young team that they have. That will prove huge. Hopefully they don't step up, take a step back. Hopefully they make some moves in the summertime and they can find a way to maybe get one or two guys to really fill some voids on that team, which they don't really have voids at this point, even if they don't make any moves in the off season, if they can just find a way to grow in the off season and take steps as players, this team will become a middle of the pack Eastern conference team next year. They're still a couple of years away in my opinion, but as of right now, they are an absolute threat in the East to at least be a middle middle-of-the-pack team if they don't drop off from a season ago. The Indiana Pacers, I'm telling you people, they just made some moves last week that are making this team incredibly scary. I mean, absolutely 
incredibly scary. They are a team that is going to be, I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is a team in the Indiana Pacers. They, they, they improved this season. They, I believe they, if I'm not mistaken, got, they at least got to the first round of the playoffs. I think they lost to the Toronto Raptors in seven, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of, a lot of things on my sheet right now. And they stepped up as a team. They traded some guys away. George Hill's gone. Obviously, they have Jeff Teague, Monte Ellis, Paul George. And then they also have uh, Thaddeus Young now after the trade of Miles Turner. This team is making some headway and turning into a serious contender in the Eastern Conference heading into next season. And I thought heading into this season, they had a chance at being a, a big-time threat as well. They fell short against Toronto. But if they would have beat Toronto, maybe they would have found their way in getting into the further rounds of the, of the postseason. Because let me tell you something, this team is flat-out talented, and they are deep on that bench. Look out for the Indiana Pacers next season in the Eastern Conference uh, as they move forward into the summer of 2016 here in about three or four days. The Miami Heat are another team to look out for next season as well. Uh, Dwayne Wade is going to be a free agent, but they're anticipating him to come back. Luol Dang, Justice Winslow is growing. Chris Bosh, obviously his health concerns were another factor this season. Again, coming into the year, he was a guy that we looked at like, if he's healthy, this is a legitimate team in the East. And unfortunately, it's not that this is just a fluky, freaky thing for Chris Bosh, and obviously we all pray for him to stay healthy. But if he, if he can't stay on the court, it's not going to help this team. Will they keep Hassan Whiteside? Hassan Whiteside took leaps and bounds from a year ago. Last year, Hassan Whiteside was a guy who kind of made his name known This year, he was a flat-out defensive monster, and a guy who you could make the case for could have probably got robbed in many votes for first place uh, when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. He was absolutely incredible. He had a triple-double this year with 10 blocks. I mean, this guy was absolutely out of his mind, making the step up and the leaps and bounds necessary to improve in the league like he did. Hassan Whiteside was a big-time, big-time step-up for this team. And if they can keep all their pieces together and, and just muster out the best, most they can still of what Dwayne Wade's got, and hopefully, again, we pray again Chris Bosh can stay healthy, this team, again, has a chance to be a contender in the East. Will they win it in the East? Again, it depends on who they pick up and how much they keep. But if they can't, and maybe that's a lot more difficult than we, than we can fathom. But for now, they are a team, if they head into the summer with some goals, they could be a serious threat heading into the season next year. The Milwaukee Bucks, they're just getting more and more length on that line. I mean, you got Michael Carter-Williams, Jonathan Stacumpo, Rashad Vaughn, Grievous Vadquez, Chris Middleton. They also picked up Thon Maker in the draft. They picked up Michael Brogdon. They got Jabari Parker, who stepped up a little bit this season and improved, obviously coming off the injury from a year ago. In his second year in the league, he looked great. He looked like a lot better. I think the one thing they need to think about heading into next year, and this is something that Andrew Norris did on the show, as he mentioned to me at one point during the season, or even before the year started, he said, he said Greg Monroe is straight garbage. He's right. Greg Monroe is not a very good player at all. Uh, and if the Milwaukee Bucks knew what was best for him, they would find a way to get this guy off the team, traded, traded to another team for something in a package, whether it's a, a pick or something. This guy needs to be gone. He does not help the team. Uh, they took a step back from a year ago, and heading into the summer, they need to make some serious moves to maybe either uh, eliminate some pieces or add a piece with the elimination 
they need to trade some pieces to really make that move and make that team more comprehensible going forward into 2016, 2017, because they have all the talent in the world to be successful uh, in the Eastern Conference if they put it all together. The New York Knicks, they're, they're, they're making a run for it. This season, they, they improved big time. They went from 17 wins to 30-plus, and they found a way to get that team back to normal. I mean, granted, they had a great start of the season, and then they hit a wall as a team. And Mello stayed healthy, and he looked great. Uh, and now, with the move they made last week with getting Derrick Rose, and now, and, and, and I know Aaron Aflalo is a, a free agent. He's going to be a, he's going to opt out to be a free agent. They have they have money to make moves. The Knicks do to do what they can to get this team reloaded. Carmelo Anthony is going to come back and try and do all the, all he can to recruit guys to get onto the Knicks because. No matter what they have going into next season, they have a threesome right now in Derrick Rose, Carmelo Anthony, and Chris Stavsporzingis. That would be an outstanding team right now in the NBA to at least contend in the East. If they can add one piece, one legitimate piece to that starting rotation, this team has a chance to compete in the Eastern Conference and maybe even sneak up to a potential Eastern Conference Finals uh, contender. Will they get there right now? Absolutely not. They have the guys who, who've seen championship quality play. Sasa Vujicic. You got a guy in Lance Thomas who's seen a little bit of that. Clay Anthony Early's been a little bit a part of that. Uh, Kyle O'Quinn knows what it takes in the, in, the, uh, in the NCAA tournament to be successful. Kevin Serafin's done it with the Wizards. These guys have seen success in the past. They just need to put it all together with the guys they got. Obviously, Derrick Rose winning an MVP. You've got guys on here who know what it takes to be successful. The Knicks just got to find the perfect gel this summer to really put it all together and make the Garden rock again going into the season next year. The Orlando Magic, look, I said coming into this, this summer that they were going to look great until the draft. They made these moves in the draft where they traded a guy like Victor Oladipo. And I, I don't know what's real anymore. Like, I don't know what the Orlando Magic are even thinking anymore. Now they're walking into the summer with Alfred Payton, Devin Marble, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, uh, Serge Ibaka, and Nikola Vucevic. You know, one of those guys will flip back and forth. You know, Aaron Gordon and Serge Ibaka will flip and forth. I don't know what they're doing. They had an unbelievable backcourt going forward, and they had moves to make. They still can make some moves in the summer, and after trading Victor Oladipo, they really need to find at least a couple guys to fill in now because Victor Oladipo did more than just play offense. He had an unbelievable defensive presence. That's gone now. That's on Oklahoma City, and uh, they've got a lot, a lot of work to do in Orlando now to really convince me that they're trying to win because that move was just straight bonehead. All the big men they lost, and obviously Victor Oladipo was not smart to try and get a guy like Serge Ibaka. I understand what Serge brings to that team, but for the most part, they still need offensive capabilities. They need defensive guys on the perimeter. They don't have a defensive perimeter presence anymore. They need to bring one guy in to help with that case, and Orlando just has a lot to fix going into the summer. I think they'll do it, but it's going to take a lot for them to try and entice some big-time names to go there after that big-time trade they just made for Serge Ibaka. The Philadelphia 76ers, they won 10 games this year. They were the worst team in the NBA. There's not much to really mention with this team other than the fact that this summer you can guarantee that there's going to be a ton of moves for them. They just picked up Ben Simmons in the draft. They also got a guy in uh, Lawuwu from France. Big-time moves for them as they're going to move forward with this athletic front court that they're going to try and put together. Uh, Obviously, New Orleans Noel, Joel Embiid's coming back. Uh, you got guys like Jalil Okafor who are still there. You got a lot of young talent in Philadelphia. Now it just comes down 
to really putting it all together and becoming the organization that you're trying to become, which ultimately, and at the end of the day, is a championship quality uh, roster. It's going to take a long time, but they got the opportunity to do so moving forward. The Toronto Raptors, honestly, they look like they've hit their ceiling. They look like they are the Eastern Conference version of the Memphis Grizzlies. They look like a team. They're still good. They're talented. They have it all. They, they, they can go deep in the East, but they're not beating Cleveland. They have to either pick up someone huge this offseason, keep their pieces, which is going to be tough because Bismack's going to test free agency. I don't think he's coming back to Toronto. DeMar DeRozan still has a chance of leaving. Um, this team could, could really change next season. But this season they made some serious strides, and they got the furthest they had been in nearly 15 years. I mean, it's been a long time since we saw Toronto do this well. And as an organization, they really did a good job uh, pushing the Cavs to six games, which was outstanding. You saw some legendary performances from Bismack Biombo. You saw DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry do their job. They did not do a great job in the postseason. They need to improve that if they want to stay together. Uh, they need to improve that together to prove that they can be better. But for the most part, this team did a very good job um, uh, this season as an organization. It was incredible to watch. Uh, and fun to see, and hopefully they can improve upon that if they can keep guys back and improve on the roster they already have. Uh, the Washington Wizards, they, they they were, in my opinion, outside of the Chicago Bulls, the most disappointing team in the NBA. John Wall was outstanding. He got hurt late in the year. Uh, he had some obviously some frustrations late in the year as well. Otto Porter is not a guy in this league that's going get, to get you to the next, next level as a small forward. Um, this team clearly sold out to try and entice Kevin Durant to come back home. He's not going to come back home. Um, it, it's really sad to see Washington kind of fall off like this. I love, I love John Wall. I think Bradley Beal is going to try and get a max deal somewhere. Uh, I've heard the rumors of Joe Kim Noah potentially going to the Wizards on a max deal. A whole bunch of rumors are spreading around this team. Uh, this is a very nervous team heading into the summer. This year was a very large letdown compared to what we saw the year before. Obviously, Paul Pierce was the closer on that team, but one guy should not dictate the entire outcome of this team's performance this season, which it did for the most part. And I just feel bad because, again, John Wall, Bradley Beal, uh, you got guys like, uh, you know, Marcin Gortat, talented players that really just did not step up and play the way they're supposed to. Hopefully, as an organization, they can they can move on from this season and take a step forward and, and get some guys in the draft, uh, or excuse me, get some guys in free agency in the summertime and make that big-time leap that I think we all anticipated to see from them from the get-go. That's your Eastern Conference. I mean, that's really what happened this season. It was a, it was a fascinating year for the Eastern Conference. A lot of teams were very evenly matched. Basically from, I'd say, you know, from the Toronto Raptors at the two seed, even though they were only one game back of the Cleveland Cavs during the regular season, I'd say from Toronto all the way down to the eighth seed, which was the Detroit Pistons, all these teams were very evenly matched. I mean, even the Bulls, when they didn't make the postseason, all these teams were very, very similar to how they played. Now, they all had different styles of play, but when it came to their level of intensity, it was all very similar, which... I think if you were to compare it to, if you were to compare it to a team in the Western Conference, I think they would have been a middle of the pack team in the West. That's all these teams were. We're middle of the pack teams in the West. It just happened to be that they were all in the Eastern Conference. I mean, we had three teams, two or three teams in the East that all had the same records heading down the stretch. I think there were three teams that had 48 wins this year. I mean, you talk about an incredible, incredibly parity-driven Eastern Conference now compared to the West, where the West is looking like the bottom half is actually getting worse. 
whereas the East is starting to kind of figure itself out and become more and more loaded with talent, young talent, not talent that is, that is top-tier, you know, elite talent. I'm talking about young talent that's growing into that all-star, above, I mean, above-average, all-star slash elite type talent. You're seeing that, and you're seeing it go forward as, uh, as the East gets better. So the East improved this year, I think, from a competitive standpoint, obviously. Um, but for the most part, the Cleveland Cavaliers are still the dominant king in that conference. And, it, and even if they didn't win the championship, they still would have been the dominant team in that conference. And they proved it just absolutely plowing through the Eastern Conference this season. Let's go into the Western Conference. The Western Conference was absolutely spectacular. I mean, this was some of you saw some all-time teams in the Western Conference this season, and who's better to start off with than the, the Golden State Warriors? I mean, I give a lot of shade to Steph Curry. I, I, I don't like the guy and how he plays, but what he went through in the in the NBA Finals in the postseason, I think people finally recognize that this guy is a lot more media hype. He doesn't hype himself. But I think he's a lot more media hype than I think a lot of people are really giving him credit for. Is he an unbelievable talent? Yes, he he shoots the ball. He's the greatest shooter of all time. I'll never debate that. And this year he proved it. I mean, 400 threes, that's, uh, that's, that's breaking barrier stuff. That's ridiculous is what that is. Steph Curry, uh, Pat, beyond the arc, is the greatest shooter I've ever seen all time, ever. And uh, that's not even a debate. Clay Thompson, he, in my opinion, he might even be the second greatest shooter of all time. They have the greatest shooting backcourt ever. And uh, they're only going to move forward this season and hopefully get better. 73-9 and nine in the regular season. In my opinion, like I said, Draymond Green, he was the MVP of this team the entire season. Entire year. Now, Steph Curry, unbelievable offense. Don't get me wrong, but he's not unanimous MVP. Um, this is going to be a year for the Golden State Warriors. This is going to be a summer for them, as the, at least for the players and the personnel, where it's going to be very hard to swallow. Heading into next year, we're going to see the real character of this team because they went through such an intense high from, I would say, April of 2015. Excuse me, April of 2015. They weren't necessarily the favorites to win the championship. I mean, obviously, they were the one seed in the West, but they had 67 wins. People didn't really know what to expect from them. Obviously, the Spurs won the championship the year before. The West was kind of in a weird little transition. And I don't think anyone had the expectations of the Warriors that they thought they would have. And people thought the Cavs might win over the Warriors because just because they had LeBron. And they had injuries. But that didn't happen. And the Warriors won, and they were fun, and Steph was nice, and Clay was cool, and Draymond was fun. And they became kind of lovable. And then heading into the season this year, the Warriors just, oh, let's just be, they just blew it out of the water. They were absolutely phenomenal. Starting the season 24-0. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, 24-0, just flat-out incredible. And um, they really had a season for the ages. And in my opinion, this was a top-10 team of all time. And and no debate, the greatest, in my opinion, in sports, the greatest team to never win a championship ever. I I mean, you can talk about the New England Patriots being undefeated, but when you talk about teams like the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan and the pantheon of legends in, in, in sports, I mean, I understand that the Patriots were undefeated, and I, and I get it, believe me. And football is way more popular than, than the NBA, at least right now. They're both – I mean, they're one and two. NBA is two, and NFL second. But when it comes to what the Golden State Warriors did during the regular season, what what Steph Curry did challenging – 
you know, uh, all-time greats with this ability to play like he did. And obviously Draymond Green and that just whole team. They're a top 10 team all time. And in my opinion, I think they're the greatest team out. I mean, okay, maybe outside of the Patriots in 07 in sports, never to win a championship. I mean, they were that incredible, absolutely incredible this year. To be honest, and I, I throw a lot of shade towards the Warriors, but they were realistically five minutes away, tied at 89, with five minutes to go at home from being the greatest team of all time, in my opinion. I, I put them in – I'll put them in my top ten all time. I'm not going to put them top five because they didn't win the title. I don't know if you can necessarily even put a top top ten team in there that hasn't won a championship. But considering this team won – 73 games and only lost nine games during the regular season. I know they were down 3-1 to Oklahoma City, and they found a way to come back. Klay Thompson had an absolutely legendary game six. Steph Curry found some, found some magic in the postseason at points. You saw Draymond Green have some – I mean, game seven of the NBA Finals. Draymond Green's walking into this summer with nothing to worry about. If you throw any, if you throw any shade at Draymond Green's on-the-court uh, capabilities when it comes to his talent, you're out of your mind. You're just a flat out loser. I mean, flat out because Draymond Green was a, was the in my opinion the best player on the court in Game Seven of the NBA Finals. I mean, he was that unbelievable. I mean, he was amazing. He he had every shot that he was open. He made every correct play. He made every correct pass. He was fundamental. He was he was collective. He was great. I mean, he was unbelievable. He was a legend. He. In my opinion, Draymond Green turned into a legend in Game 7. I mean, everyone can talk about, you know, that they lost and this and that, but Draymond Green has no shade at all, like at all. In my opinion, he's the most important player, most valuable player on this team, and he proved it in Game 7. And unfortunately, they lost, but you can't, at the end of the day, you can't have it all on his back. If he's the MVP, sure, but that's, and this is where it gets to the whole media narrative. This team was all built on a media narrative of them being as great as they were. Were they great? 73-9? and nine? Hell yeah. But from the standpoint of the, the brand of basketball that they played, living and dying from the outside jumper, they shot themselves in the foot. They did. Down the stretch, five minutes to go. They would have been the greatest team of all time, in my opinion. But at the same time, that brand of basketball, all year Long, something we talked about before the year and all throughout the year. If you listen to every single episode, all 154 episodes of the Hooper's Log and all 155 by tomorrow, or excuse me, Thursday, you'll, see, you'll understand why the Golden State Warriors brand of basketball is not favored, favored in many, many circumstances because this team is so outside-driven. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're the greatest shooting team of all time, ever, period. There's no discussion ever, but you saw it not win a championship. That's the example this team's going to be for years to come, 20, 30 years from now. It's going to be, you can live and die by, by the three. And the perfect example, 73 and nine, 15 and nine in the playoffs, five minutes short of an NBA championship. They lived and they eventually died at the three-point line. Are they the greatest team to ever shoot from the outside? No questions asked. No debate. Ever. All time. Behind the three, I would take the Golden State Warrior offense all day because it's unstoppable. It is. But when you have a physical specimen in LeBron James do what he did, 
the outside game has to turn into an inside game at some point. And the Golden State Warriors could not adapt, adjust, and they got – they just – frankly, they just got their brains beaten in. They did. And that's what happened. But from the standpoint of history and what this team did this year, all the way up until game seven, in fact, all the way through game four, after game four, that was really when it kind of – went off the rails. But game four was in the NBA finals was a game that I'll remember of the Golden State Warriors and say, boy, that team is scary. I mean, they, they went into Cleveland and just outwilled the, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, they did. It was incredible. And, and that's really all that needs to be taken away from the Golden State Warriors in this regular season. The Dallas Mavericks found a way to actually stay in the hunt this year. And that, that all goes to Rick Carlisle. I mean, they have a – that all goes to Rick Carlisle this year. I mean, you got guys like Darren Williams, Wesley Matthews, who was hurt again, Chandler Parsons, who was hurt, Dirk Nowitzki, who's literally ancient. Zaza Pachulia made a big step up this season. This team improved, I mean, with the team they had immensely. And they got healthy at the right time, and they found a way to get into the postseason. I mean, when you, when you can do that in the West, that's just all coaching, all heart, all effort, and that's exactly – what the Dallas Mavericks did this year. They found a way to stay with a young man's league with these older players, and they got into the postseason and stayed competitive. That's a big thing for them. This summer is going to be huge for them because there's a lot of moving parts. Dirk Nowitzki's a free agent. There's a lot of weird things with the Dallas Mavericks this summer that may change this team's identity for the first time in almost 15 years without Dirk Nowitzki. It may happen. Uh, well, we'll see what happens in the summer, but for the most part, a successful season for them getting into the postseason. Very successful for them as they're moving forward. Um, also, um, you also have uh, the Denver Nuggets, another team that, for the most part, the Denver Nuggets were outstanding this year. I mean, they, they, they improved immensely. They didn't, they didn't get so much better and so great that it was, you know, like, oh, wow, you know, the Denver Nuggets. But Emmanuel Moutier had his growing pains this year. You had Will Barton, who, in my opinion, should have won sixth man of the year, but he was outstanding nonetheless. Danilo Garlari had, had moments. Wilson Chandler was hurt for the most part. Kenneth Reed, Nikola Jokic. This team has a good chance to grow, especially drafting a guy like Jamal Murray. They have a good future ahead of them. And if they make a couple of moves in the summer, who knows, this team could be in contention for an eighth spot in the West next year. They made big improvements last year, uh, getting a guy like Rick Malone as their head coach. They found a way to find an identity, and hopefully going into the summer, they can pick up some guys to add to that identity and become a force in the Western Conference. The Houston Rockets were another big-time disappointment this season as they barely edged their way into the postseason. And it all became, it all really became the, the James Harden isolation basketball show. This guy is, in my opinion, one of the most talented offensive players in the game. The problem is, is he doesn't help his players, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize that. The guy... He's flat-out talented with the basketball, but for some reason, defensively, he has lapses. Is he good sometimes defensively? Sure, but for the most part, he has defensive lapses that are unforgivable. And uh, they had, at one point, Ty Lawson coming into the year, and he ran into some legal problems again after the previous summer. Um, heading into the year, this team looked like an NBA title contender with all the players they had, all the circumstances they had with, uh, with, uh, with guys like Kevin McHale as their head coach. All of a sudden, it turned into an absolute drama, toxic waste fest in Houston, and it was a joke. I mean, Patrick Beverly, Jason Terry were guys that just didn't really want to be there. 
Dwight Howard was non-existent. He had all of, he had a saga during the, during the playoffs when his team was out of the postseason. Uh, it was it was an absolute joke for the Houston Rockets this year, and the only real bright spot was James Harden, and that was because James Harden does what James Harden wants to do, and that is pound the rock, take it to the hole, get to the free throw line, make buckets. That's all he did, and he was that offensively gifted incredible, but for the most part, this Houston Rockets team was garbage this year. I mean, flat out, they had all the talent to be absolutely sensational, and they were just flat out garbage. It was, it was sad to see. It was really, really sad to, to, to see this Houston Rockets team turn into the team that they did because, let's be honest, I mean, they had all the talent to, to become a 60-win team from the year before knowing what they did, but instead they turned into a team that just – that was just garbage. Just flat out, and that's the saddest part about it. Because when you can't you can't maintain your talent like you did in Houston, what what good what good do you become? You know, he, James Harden was voted the Players MVP last year. This year, he was he didn't even make an All NBA team. Think about that. I mean that that's all you need to know. If your peers just stop believing in you, then your team is going to turn into a, a tornado real quick. We got a phone call from the three four seven. Three four seven, how you doing? What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, man? This is Bryce calling from Brooklyn. Hey, Bryce, how you doing? What's up, man? Hey, what's on your I'm mind? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Just, just a couple things. Um, first, uh, you know the Houston Rockets. Their biggest problem is, I think James Harden is an energy drainer, not an energy giver. Particularly when you see his defensive effort. I think when your player gives that type of effort, it's going to affect the whole team, coupled with the fact that you got a guy like Dwight Howard that's not really, you know, I think he's a good player, just not a leader. Um, right. you, that's a bad combination. That gets coaches fired and, and, and makes teams not live up to their expectations. I agree. I'm going to put you back on hold, but thank you so much for calling in. But, you know, I agree with you 100%. I mean, James Harden has found a way – to just just suck the energy out of this team. And like I said, a year ago, I was I was harping for this guy to be the MVP of the league two years ago when this team found a way to get to that two seed in the Western Conference. And then all of a sudden, I really think that got to his head. He signed that big-time Adidas deal, and uh, he, he, he started wearing Jordans. He started getting involved with Khloe Kardashian. He, you know, he, he felt like he was the man. Now you understand why he got rid. He was getting. He got. He he got got rid of in Oklahoma City. Why he was not accepted there, and why he got traded ultimately. Because the guy, I think he wants everything to. Re- I mean, obviously he wants the, everything to revolve around him, and that's exactly what happened in Houston. And uh, unfortunately, that was the demise of this team. And like I said, this team had all the talent to be a championship-worthy team. And from that perspective and that expectation level, they were a big-time disappointment. And this summer, I have no idea what's going to happen in Houston, but if they can't keep, a, keep track of all these guys, uh, James Harden and Jimmy Butler are going to be in the exact same scenario if they stay on their teams next year. It's going to be them and a bunch of nobodies, because that's exactly what it's looking like moving forward for the Houston Rockets. The Los Angeles Clippers, let's be honest, they just, look, they need to stay together. They need to ride through this tough time. No one's talking about them right now. But, but the Los Angeles Clippers have all the talents. If they can keep this team together right now, this team right now, they can stay together. They're going to be a team that is going to be absolutely incredible. Because, look, Chris Paul had a fluky injury in the playoffs against the Portland Trailblazers in the first round, and that's what did it for him. And 
we all know this. If, if Chris Paul stays healthy, that Clipper team goes on to play the Golden State Warriors in the first round, in the second round, excuse me. And knowing what happened to Steph Curry, so I mean, obviously Chris Paul got hurt. Maybe Steph Curry doesn't get hurt, but the Clippers play the Golden State Warriors without Steph Curry. You can, I mean, I'm not trying to sit here and go back in time, but I think the Los Angeles Clippers may go to, go to the Western Conference Finals and face off either against Oklahoma City or San Antonio. I mean, I'm telling you that that injury to Chris Paul changed everything. And that just goes to show you why he's probably more of an MVP to the league than we all give him credit for. Um, this Clipper team, if they can find a way to stay together, maybe add one piece or a couple, they're a team that is a championship contender next year. I said it last year. I thought they were going to be a championship contending team this year. They had some chemistry problems early on in the year. We saw that with guys like Josh Smith, other guys who were on the team that eventually got traded, but they figured it out late in the year and they made a late push. And unfortunately they got hurt. Um, in the postseason, which really hampered them. I think that hurt, that injury in the postseason is really going to motivate them next year. And if they get a couple pieces here and there and they find a way to really to really gel and mold together, this could be a team going into next year that could contend for a, a, an NBA final spot if they can do what they did uh, uh, this year late again. And again, they have to come out strong next year. They can't come out slow like they did this year. They came out really slow. They had a lot of problems in the locker room. They eventually figured it out, and they looked great down the stretch. That They got to gotta play like they did down the stretch early in the season again this year uh, coming up uh, in, in November if they do that once more. The Los Angeles Lakers are now the non-Kobe Bryant team. Kobe Bryant is now off the team. This is the new era of the Los Angeles Lakers. Whether we like it or not, that's what this is going to be. And with their moves, with getting Brandon Ingram, now they have D'Angelo Russell, obviously, all these guys, Julius Randle's healthy. This team is just really going to rebuild now. That's all they're going to do, 17 wins from a year ago. We're really going to see what this team is made of heading into next year when they start it off, and we're going to see what, what they're made of. People are saying 37 wins, you're out of your mind. If this team wins 30 games next year, that is an absolute success for them if they can keep it going moving forward. The Memphis Grizzlies are a scary team because there could be a lot of changes moving forward with this team. Marcus Saul, Zach Randolph, they had a ton of injuries last year, and they've got a bunch of guys who are really over the hill. Um, Mike Conley might go. Uh, they got a bunch of young guys that may or may not be on the, you know, that may or may not be on the new faces of the team. It's going to be an interesting thing to see for this Memphis Grizzlies team going into this summer uh, starting next year. I, I really don't know what to expect from them, but if they don't make very many moves, they're going to be a team left in the dust like they already are in the Western Conference because even though they had a ton of injuries, they did not look very good. And they really have kept kind of the same core of guys for the last three to four years. If they keep that same core, which I, I wouldn't, wouldn't bother me if they did, I still don't think they're a great team. They need to pick up one or two guys to really solidify a, a new identity in this, on this team, or at least a young identity. Their identity has gotten much older. I mean, Vince Carter, Tony Allen, you got guys like Mike Conley's not super old, but he's been in this team for a long time. He's great, but he's, he's just kind of a piece they might need to replace from the standpoint of getting something better. Not that Mike Conley's not a good guy or good fundamentally, but he might just, they might just need to try something new at that spot. Matt Barnes is also another old guy. You got a lot of old guys on this team in Memphis. Zach Randolph's not young either. I mean, they, they really got to figure it out. Chris Anderson, they really got to figure it out. 
to, to kind of revamp this team if they want to do anything in the future and become a future team. Speaking of future, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Ricky Rubio, they now got a guy in Chris Dunn, Andrew Wiggins, Gorgie Dang, Kevin Garnett may come back one more year, Carl Anthony Towns. This team, Andrew Wiggins, I forgot to mention his name, this team is going to be absolutely terrifying next season. And I think next year will be the first year. If they don't make the postseason, they better be close because this team next year is going to make some massive headways in the NBA because they've got all the talent in the world to be just absolutely terrifying and legitimate. Um, Will they get to the playoffs next year? That's up for debate. But when it comes to them, if they can get into the eighth spot in the West, they could be a serious threat to whoever is that one seed. And, and if they can just get into the postseason, that would be a win next year. This year, they had their growing pains. They're just a young team still trying to figure out their ways. Carl Anthony Towns won Rookie of the Year, no debate. Uh, unanimous. Zach Levine won another dunk contest, which I still think uh, Aaron Gordon got robbed. But for the most part, this team has so much promise, so much youth on this team. They're only going to get better with a guy like Chris Dunn and moving forward. Now having Tom Thibodeau potentially trying to get guys to join Tom Thibodeau. Free agencies could potentially go. They get one big player. This team could be a serious threat in the Western Conference next year and years to come. But that's all to be seen heading into the summer. The New Orleans Pelicans, they picked up um, they picked up Buddy Heald in the draft, a big-time draft for them. Still got Drew Holiday. Obviously, they got Anthony Davis. They had a ton of injuries last year, a ton. That was what really downgraded them and really made it tough for them to come back. They found a way to kind of creep back into the bottom portion of the playoffs, but really this whole season was demoralized by injuries. That's why they were not as good of a team as we all expected them to be. I think if they bounce back next year healthy and ready to go, maybe pick up one free agent, they're going to be a team that's going to, again, be reconciled in the West and ready to go potentially contend for the bottom three spots in the Western Conference. That's just This this whole year was just ruined by injuries by them, and hopefully they can reconcile that by heading into 2016-2017 healthy and ready to go. Speaking of injuries, the Phoenix Suns ran into the same exact problem. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight, both guys were injured at one point in time of the year. Devin Booker was unbelievable as a rookie. I mean, if you didn't have a guy in Carl Anthony Towns in, in the NBA, you're talking about uh, Devin Booker winning Rookie of the Year. He was outstanding this season. He led the team in scoring multiple times this season when guys were hurt. Um, they, they, just, they, were, they were devastated by injuries this year, and a lot of their young guys really aren't stepping up. They drafted a ton of big men coming into this year's draft and heading into next year. They got a lot of pieces that they need to really start working out and trying to find an identity. Next year, I think the goal is for them to really solidify an identity. They haven't really had a, an identity in Phoenix since Steve Nash left. They're still trying to figure that out. And ultimately, if they can just solidify some form of an identity and make a real team out there in Phoenix – they're a team that's going to be scary. But, again, kind of like the New Orleans Pelicans, the Phoenix Suns were demoralized by injuries, and that's really what did it in for them this year. Uh, speaking of teams that are – you talk about championship favorites if they can find a way to re-sign Kevin Durant. Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook was absolutely sensational this year. He made – he was – I mean, people are saying he didn't really improve from a year ago. He improved leaps and bounds. Fundamentally, uh, from the standpoint of slowing down his game, he did find a way to do that. Yes, he was still erratic at times, but for the most part, he improved his game on that. A ton of triple doubles. Obviously, guys off the bench, uh, 
like Randy Foy was put on the team midway through the season. Anthony Morrow, a fantastic player. Kyle Singler got hurt, but he was an outstanding option off the bench during the season. Ursan Ilyasova has now been traded to the team, obviously, after the, uh, after the trade to Orlando. Victor Oladipo is now on the team coming into the summer. Uh, this team is set. Steven Adams, Enos Cantor, two guys that could start right now. This team, Mitch McGarry off the bench, is a fantastic fundamental player. Look, let's, Nick Collison is still an outstanding fundamental player, too, as well. You got a team in Oklahoma City. Deion Waiters, if he doesn't get re-signed, it happens. Look, if Kevin Durant goes back to Oklahoma City this summer, they're already NBA favorites to win the championship. I, look, it doesn't matter what any other team does. I don't care what any other team puts together. When you have a combo of Steven Adams and Enos Cantor in the, in, in the front court, along with Kevin Durant and a Russell Westbrook, who only seems to be getting better, with a, with a stopper on the outside like Victor Oladipo and a crazy bench like they had this year, they were up 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals. And they were that close to getting to the NBA championship. And who's to say they weren't going to win the NBA championship if they got there? I mean, this team was that close. I mean, they were a Clay Thompson game six away on, in, in Oklahoma City from going to the NBA championship and being, a, and being a team that could have potentially won it all. I mean, really. I mean, they're that close. And I think if they just keep Kevin Durant this year with the addition of Victor Oladipo and Ursan Ilyasova, and then obviously a guy – in a Sabonis, a young guy, you're talking about a team that is going to be absolutely nightmarish for the Western Conference. Now, regular season, are they going to break records like the Golden State Warriors? No, but they're going to be a favorite when it comes to the matchup game in the postseason because this team has something to them that I don't think any other team has, which is just straight grit and toughness. They are an absolute force in the Western Conference again next year, and this year proved it because the playoffs, they found a way to figure it out, and Billy Donovan made huge strides in his first year as a head coach, turning into one of the best coaches in the NBA going into 2016-2017 with or without Kevin Durant. Portland Trailblazers were the best story of the season, period, in the Western Conference. Losing four of their five starters heading into the season, they could not re-sign anybody in the offseason heading in, uh, in July of 2015. I was saying, like I was saying, Damian Lillard was trying to talk to people, trying to get out of Portland. Not that was not the case. He helped improve CJ McCollum, who was the most improved player of the year. I still think Terry Stott should have won Coach of the Year. He was absolutely incredible. Al Farouk Amino was outstanding. Mo Harkless, Mason Plum, Ed Davis, a bunch of guys were absolutely incredible this season in Portland to find a way to get to the postseason. They only decreased by seven games. They were 51 wins a year ago. This year they won 44, and they were still the fifth seed in the West. They were incredible this season. They got to the second round. This was a magical season for the Portland Trailblazers, and they found a way to beat the, the Golden State Warriors in the postseason once. That is what I call uh, achieving the highest level you possibly can with the talent you have. If you looked at this roster a year ago, and you thought they were going to win this many games and get to the postseason and beat the team like the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs, people would have put you in a mental institution and said, get out of here. This Portland Trailblazers team exceeded all expectations, and they were absolutely incredible this season. My San Antonio Spurs, look, they got old really fast. That's just, that's just the nature of it. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, my opinion, he's being a little bit overrated like, like Steph Curry is in the media. Just because people like him doesn't mean he's great. He's still a great defender, unbelievable defender. He has improved immensely offensively, but he's not, he's not, in my opinion, he's still a top three, top four, top five small forward 
but he's not the best small forward in the game. He's not, he's not the most talented small forward in the game. Has he improved immensely? Absolutely. And if he can keep adding to that, maybe we'll all change our opinion of him and maybe think he's a little bit better. He's still a guy who's a great defensive presence, a guy who can shoot from the outside. Now he can create off the dribble a little bit. He's a guy who is clearly the leader of this team. Tony Parker's on his way out the door with the standpoint of his, of his talent. I think his prime, it, the back end of his prime is done now. He's definitely over the hill. Manager Ginobili's talking about coming back for one more year. I believe next year will be his last. I think Tim Duncan will come back one more year, and next year will be his last at a maximum. I and if Tim Duncan retires in this offseason, it'll be a year. It'll be sad, you know. But for the most part, 67 wins, 40 and one at home. They were absolutely legendary, and that only loss at home. In my opinion, the greatest home regular season team of all time was this San Antonio Spurs team. The only team they lost to at home was the Golden State Warriors late in the year with about a week left. I mean, this team was was absolutely sensational at home all year long, and, and they proved it. And the addition of LaMarcus Aldridge was absolutely clutch. He got off to a slow start early on in the season. He did not look like the guy we all wanted to bring him from Portland. And then finally around January, he started looking like the guy we all thought he would be and he turned into one of our main, if not our, our go-to guy in the paint. I mean, he turned into that guy. Danny Green took a step back at the shooting guard position. Um, and for the most part, uh, we're a team that is, is ready to go again next year. I think maybe adding a piece in the offseason would be huge. But outside of that, we're still the Spurs. We're, st- we're 67 wins from last year. I could not be happier. And I think next year we're still going to win about 50, 55 games again get back to the postseason the Sacramento Kings they got a lot of decisions to make this offseason when it comes to moves Rajon Rondo is a you know free agent he may or may not, may not leave they need to probably get a better shooting guard Rudy Gay may or may or may not be the option for them going forward obviously DeMarcus Cousins is the guy but this team could potentially change drastically this offseason this year was basically a chemistry experiment and for the most part it failed but it was interesting to watch, as you saw Rajon Rondo and, and, and DeMarcus Cousins have a good time on the court and go a little bit crazy at times. Um, they weren't necessarily productive. They just kind of hung around and, and tried to make it interesting for teams trying to get into the postseason. They were nothing really special, um, but from the standpoint of fun times, you got to see a little bit of that this year, uh, but they have a long way to go when it comes to their ability to try and become a real team in the NBA and especially in the Western Conference. And the Utah Jazz, they just they, – they came up one game short to get into the postseason, and I think that one game was huge. I think if they find a way to get at least one guy, and if everyone can improve in the offseason, they picked up a guy in George Hill, big-time pickup for them at the point guard position – but if they can just find a way to improve and if everybody can just improve their game a little bit heading into next year, I think this team will finally take the step necessary to be a legitimate contender in the Western Conference uh, for years to come because they're still a really talented, scary team in the Western Conference. That's your recap of the season, everybody. Um, and if you'd like to listen to previous shows, just go to, go to YouTube or, excuse me, go to iTunes and check out the Hooper's Log. You'll find all of the episodes from this past year. Again, 154 episodes. Also, previews from before the season. There were six, seven preview shows. So you're, you're looking at about 160 shows plus from the Hooper's Log from, a, from this, this previous year. I couldn't be happier to do it with CLNS and uh, – with all of you listening, I am more than overjoyed to have done it. And uh, that's pretty much the year. Um, 
an unbelievable year, really. I mean, how it all went, the postseason, down the stretch, the regular season, big-time games, I think the NBA is in a position where now heading into the summer where I'm anticipating a ton of moves to occur, a ton of big-time signings. It's going to be interesting heading into July. But this past calendar year has been absolutely sensational for the NBA, and uh, you got to give it up for them. you got to give it up for them. It was, a, it was a sensational year for the NBA, entertaining, and I covered it pretty much from day one all the way until the last day. And uh, uh, it's, it's sad to go into the summer, but, boy, I tell you, it's needed because uh, you get to that point in the year – like around March, and you start to get absolutely burnt out with March Madness and all that. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it, it gets to a point where you got to just take a break. And we're getting to that point where the break is right around the corner, we're getting to free agency, and then once free agency is done, you see the summer league, and it shuts down for about three weeks. The Olympics come up this year, and then it really dies. I mean, it dies in September. Nothing happens in September. It's all football from there, and we're on that part. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting down the home stretch. we got five minutes to go. Episode 154 is in the books. Episode 155 will be on Thursday, June 30th, 2016. We will be uh, giving our, our salute to CLNS as we move over to NBA Lead. And uh, we'll give you more information on when the first episode will be for NBA Lead. It will probably be sometime in the first 10 days of July. Obviously, recapping what happened in free agency. Um, and, to, and, and, and outside of giving our salute to CLNS on Thursday, we will also preview all of the free agents available coming up for July, the July 1st deadline. So, or July 1st, beginning of the new fiscal year in the NBA. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Episode 155 on Thursday, same time, same place. We'll be here. Thank you again for listening. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy the summertime. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Have a good night.